Can you give me a postcard? Not one. Oh, it's you got it. It's a freshie. Got you a freshie. <clears throat> you know what I'm going to do from episode 67. <laughs> got you a freshie. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is not going to be fresh. This is. What going- you said you know what I'm going to do. You know what I'm going to do. You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get you a freshie. That's what I thought, that's what I thought you were No, he burped, and I said, you know what I'm going to do is never buy giant one-liter club sodas for all of us to drink before this. I like club soda because I like the, like the mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I like the mouthfeel, yeah. Hmm. It's, like, it's something I Episode don't Episode 67, I like the mouthfeel. Or I'm going to get you a freshie. I'm going to get you a freshie. Because <laughs> I don't really like soda, but I, I, like but I do like the bubbly mouthfeel. Right. <laughs> Do you? I love it. You love the what? Oh, what do you love? The bubbly mouthfeel. Oh, uh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's like a good, yeah. yeah. It's like a good mouthfeel. I learned the word the, mouthfeel from Amelia. We were in this, we were the in a, word we, mouthfeel? Is that a word? Yes, a German, no, it like, is. Mouthfeel. I just love the mouthfeel. That sounds like mouse. <laughs> no, it's a mouthfeel. <laughs> Mousefield? No. No, no. Mouse Mousefield. Mouse <laughs> you know the freshy. <laughs> Mic test complete. Oh, it's a mousefield. Oh, it's a mousefield. Anyway, thank you to our German listeners. August 1st, 2012, and this episode was downloaded without your permission through the Uplay browser plugin. This is Idle Thumb 67, and I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. Hey, Sean. Hi, guys. So happy to be back. Thank- Thanks. <laughs> From last week? I mean, I, I was gone. I was just, you were in the great state of Wyoming. A couple weeks. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, while I was gone, you guys went to um, California Extreme, and yeah, I did. jealous. Me Very too. Jealous. I'm jealous of us because it was awesome. Very jealous. Yeah. California Extreme is uh, an expo held in sort of the South Bay that's just all arcade games, pinball games, uh, and some other really and horrible animatronics. And horrible animatronics. It's a show where I think it's just if you're an owner of an arcade cabinet of, uh, of some kind, you can show up as an exhibitor, by which that means you wheel your arcade cabinet up and just set up a gigantic video arcade that people can play. So yeah. some, some of them are there to be sold, but most of them aren't. Most of them are just there yeah. because the dealer just – or not dealer, but the owner of the thing just comes and helps out, yeah. I guess. I don't really know how that works, but it's oh, cool. Oh, man. Fun best fact about California Extreme. Um, I think this was the case last year as well, but it's double booked – in the convention center with uh, <laughs> yeah. it's double booked in the convention center with a Jehovah's Witnesses con- uh, convention. Oh yeah. my gosh! So like, and and also right across the street from it, basically, is a uh, is a Great, Great America, America theme park. So like the. The convention center is split in half of just all these really nice, polite-looking families in suits, yeah. and then just 
and dorks. Horrible, <laughs> like the, the thing is sweaty. The, but like yeah. the kids in the in the Jehovah's yeah. Witness family. Oh my god! It's just like like uh, this is the Alamo for them. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think JP uh, or our friend Cable compared it to like a joke from an old episode of The Simpsons, where the yeah. kids show up and like to your left, free world's largest arcade. To the right. Roller coaster park to the middle <laughs> Jehovah's Witness convention with your parents. Like, <laughs> oh, oh man, you're wearing that uncomfortable like suit that your mom and dad made you wear, and then you just look like right through the door of that hallway just, and see yeah. every arcade game that's ever made. And kids are just for in free. slow motion, yeah. losing their minds. Yep. yep. So you go, look out the front door, you see a wheel of a like, or you see the like hill, yeah. hill, just of like a, people going woo, like spinning on like, like a legs free roller coaster, like. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, and then you just yeah, go up the escalator the to some room, and I, I don't really know what a Jehovah's Witness convention entails, but I'm sure no it's idea. not roller coasters Pamphlets? or an infinite free arcade. No. Strip poker? Yeah. What? I was just imagining the weird, like, <laughs> like, like yeah, those those poor suckers. And, like, meanwhile, cut to... Oh, they're like, actually going like, crazy. <laughs> they're actually... It's the yeah. one time a year yeah. where they just cut loose yeah. so the kids yeah. can't wait. Like, fucking suckers down there in the big arcade. <laughs> Nerds. Jeho- yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. That uh, is an incredible, incredible yeah, setup. Yeah. Like, we walked into the convention center through the Jehovah's Witness side, and it was really confusing for a second. I'm just like, you are all well behaved. <laughs> Most of you are not speaking English. You're all wearing suits. Oh, there's all of the weird, like, faded stretch t shirts and ponytails. That's where we meant to be going. Okay, got it. Yep. There's those sideburns. Uh, <laughs> So, did you guys just mostly play stuff that was nostalgic to you guys, or was it, no. was there a discovery well, the element? I, the thing I, and I'm sure I've talked about this on past years when we've gone to stuff like this on Outcomes, but for me, the interesting thing about this is there's almost no nostalgia involved because I didn't. You didn't. You weren't an arcade kid at all, right? Yeah, I I didn't play. Or, I didn't, you were Jehovah's Witness. I was. I was, I was at the Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Chris is a roller coaster aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I didn't. I I went to arcades occasionally. Like they're really like small examples of them. You know, like my local movie theater had. Like eight arcade cabinets there, like you know stuff like that. Right. But I never, I didn't ever like go to arcades as a regular thing. You know, mm-hmm. like I didn't. It wasn't something I associate with my childhood really. Um, and like I, you know, because I didn't have a console, so I didn't play like any of the equivalent games really. So for me, these are always awesome because I go there and play games I've never, I've just never played before. Like Rampart, I'd never played Rampart, yeah, and it was awesome. It was so cool. Um, I'm sure most people listening to this know what this game is, but I didn't. Rampart, um, please. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. what Rampart was either. Do you know Rampart, Sean? No, other than oh, man. Zach telling me that right. he bought a yeah, Rampart Yeah, our, our buddy Zach, who is one of the guys who makes uh, Kingdom of Loathing. And Video Games Hot Dog. And Video Games Hot Dog uh, um, bought like four arcade cabinets. Yeah, he bought some huge number of them. He was just there to, to acquire arcade cabinets. Ones. Yeah. Like two of them were ones that I played for the first time at the show and were like my favorite things I played. And it just so happened that he those were the ones he bought. Um, uh, so there was Rampart, and then also we bought APB, which I'd never played, and that was amazing. That was incredible. He oh, said I, that to me last night, and I went like, "They made an arcade cabinet of that of that <laughs> MMO that failed." <laughs> yeah, no, APB. It's an it's a way earlier game, which we should also talk about for yeah. a second. Yeah, but tell me about but Rampart. Ramp- yeah, we so got Rampart, talk, is, Rampart cool. is rad. God, yeah, it's Rampart. it's really impressive. It's uh, and I apologize for the thousands of people who already know what this game is, uh, but it's you start off just picking. A territory, depending on how many people are in the game, it'll split the 
like top down battlefield top down view into... of like castles and some rivers dividing okay. the area into yeah. territories. I was going to so, just even get to like what type of theme is it? Yeah, right? so I always so associate. I should have led with that. I associate yeah. Rampart with the Rampart division of the LAPD that had the giant scandal in the eighties <laughs> where they found like cocaine. No, like, this is like in the walls like of the bar they hung out. Old timey <laughs> castles and yeah. and cannons. Okay, so you're, you're top okay. down like on a medieval battlefield. It uh, changes everything for me. Rivers separating little plots of land. So if there's three of you, you know it's divided into three, and you. At the beginning, you place your first little like each castle player keep picks a castle down. Yeah, yeah, each each player picks a places down a castle within their territory, and then you go to a phase where using the joystick you and like you basically assemble castle walls Tetris like. So you get given these. It just little says Tetris like okay, pieces. you have an L block. Boop, dropped yeah. wall place. So you have a one by one piece. You have yep. a line, and then so yeah, you yeah you you have to wall in one enclosed area around your castle. Mm-hmm. And then, and so you have each of these, each of these sections. There's a rotate have, button and a place button. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked. It's already. It's it weird that it's like, an arcade game. Yeah, it does not feel like an arcade game, but it's awesome. Arc- except that, yeah. it, except that the way that they made it is totally suitable to the arcade because each of these, each of these phases is only like ten seconds long or how, however long they yeah. are. They're really, they're really short. So, you, so you're really doing it. It's hard. This is like the, um, the Out of Thumb School of Pikmin, like. Really rapid takes on strategy games. Rampart is yeah, kind of at home true. in yeah, that. Actually, totally right. that's a really good observation. Um, and so you, so then you place all your castles down, and then you go into the next phase. And like each of these phases has like a different top-down tile set applied to it, so you they look very different, you know. And like when you're placing the pieces, they're just white outlined pieces. But then when you go to the next phase, they're rendered as nice little stone. Uh, little tiles. Yes, the next phase is what dark. era are we talking here? It's like medieval. It's medieval. It's castles. No, no, no. What era uh, did the game come out? Like, uh, oh. It seems like it's pre sixteen bit consoles. Like the the color palette seems oh, like it's so, like sixteen color. Okay, okay. Color. So that was during that era of console of arcade games. It had sort of multi phase different sort mm-hmm. of yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like, a, like like Tron had like four games inside of it. And you jump between all yeah, and like major havoc. All that. Yeah, yeah. Major, major havoc's earlier, I think. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, is, it is earlier. But yeah, it's it's like a mid. Mid-era 2D arcade game, like, before fighting games and stuff took off, no, but probably, yeah, like, yeah. after pole position and stuff. I got you. Yeah. So, all right. So, you place your – you build your castle, and you need to – when you build your castle, you need to build an enclosed area. Like, you need your wall – you need at least one section of wall. You have to enclose to it before be fully, time runs out. A continuous wall. To be conti- – exactly. Con- mm-hmm. Totally contiguous wall. Um, and then you go to the next phase, and it, in that – It shades in any any area that's filled in, so you know, right, like, so what building see, area you have. Yeah. Uh, next phase, you get however many cannons to place down, and each cannon takes up, you know, four little squares. So you, I think you start with three or something. I don't know. Yeah. You place them down in one of your in one of your filled in areas, one of your areas surrounded by a contiguous wall. Then everyone does this simultaneously. You go into the next phase, and that's just like madly shoot all your cannon at your opponents. Yeah, and your cannons all sort of have some amount of re- reload time and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, and you you have a little cursor that you position. Just as you just as you used the cursor to position the pieces, now you use it to it becomes a as your reticle, yeah. right? To to shoot cannons, and then it goes to the next phase, and that's when all everyone's castles are all busted up. Yeah. So then you go back into building phase, and you need to patch all your holes, and if with Tetris pieces, with Tetris pieces, right? Which can be terrible because you you know you've got like you're like I just need that one by one exactly. And you're, so you just build these weird wild walls, flowing off in hopes that maybe you'll get the. Uh, it's a disaster. Yeah. It's good. And so if you fail, if you at the end of that placement, of, of any placement phase, I guess, if you have failed to create any, even a single enclosed um, area, you know, enclosed mm-hmm. by a contiguous wall, 
then you are out basically and you have a couple of – some number of continues where you start again, but you've got to start again from scratch, from nothing. You're still so in the, the game. the idea is like, to destroy somebody's shit so much that they can't that they rebuild can't, it. Exactly. So you eventually right. sort of figure out like how to pick away at their walls so you start knocking out every other thing or just leaving really annoying. Like you, you, you try yeah. to mm-hmm. – I get it. Yeah you, yeah. you try to make a hard to rebuild you don't, wall. It's almost – you're not trying to, to, to execute – Devastating damage, just strategic pain right. in the ass damage. Yeah, That's you're trying to be yeah. annoying. Although it can get to the point where, if you if you're doing well enough, it me and you're getting to the point where you're pretty easily enclosing your areas. All you're really doing then is just making your castle bigger and bigger and bigger. Which right. gives you so more like, and more. Which just gives you more and more cannons. Like, so you can get to the point where you can fill up almost your entire territory. You were flying high for a while, though. Yeah, like yeah. you had all your castles enclosed. You had a ton of cannons, but then Doug and I somehow just managed like, to knock you all the way yeah. back down to nothing. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was, it was a pretty good like ebb and flow between mm-hmm. what's going on. And yeah. it, the cabinet that we were playing was three player, and I don't know what like the max is of the of across different arcades, but like there being three players made it really cool because it wasn't just. Two people pointing their reticules at each other during the cannon phase. Like right. Chris started getting bigger and bigger. Then I was like, "Doug, why aren't you shooting at Chris?" Like, I didn't even know I could attack him. So then, like, we both turned all of our cannons on Chris for a while. You know, it's, yeah. it's cool. It was a blast. It was a really interesting and game. It's fun to watch as well, just because it is okay. You have thirty seconds to place walls, so then it just becomes frantic. And then it's you know you have thirty seconds to place uh, cannons, and then you probably have what seems like a minute to shoot each other. So it's just like this turnover, 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 mm-hmm. turnover of of the three different cycles. It's really cool. That sounds great. Yeah. That almost sounds like it's it just this sounds like a board game, except the cannon firing phase would be how many die you get to roll or something. Yeah. How many dice, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. There's I I really like what you said comparing it to Pikmin. Like there is something really cool about using the you know, taking genres that are traditionally associated with computers for obvious reasons and adapting them for a platform that is less precise in its control by just acknowledging, all right, this is part of this is just that it's going to be sloppy, so let's play to that by having right. it be this frantic. Well, and just yeah, the nature of an arcade game is you want that mm-hmm. quick turnover, you yeah. want the competitiveness to be really to be really cutthroat, and you want it to be really spectator friendly. I think, and mm, like yeah, this yeah. game, I think does a good job of that. Which it's is cool. yeah, it's constantly changing. It's what it's actually happening on the screen. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Um, but yeah, just the if someone showed you a screenshot of it and you didn't see the gameplay, you would just be like, "This looks like an Amiga or like slightly pre-Amiga top-down castle simulator." But then when you actually see the game in action, right. it's this, it's this yeah. crazy no, it's like true. people going ah, just assembling yeah. walls as fast as they yeah. can and then just deploying like fifty cannonballs yeah. at top speed. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny actually because one of the games I did play when I was a kid was an interplay game called Castles, and I loved it. I loved that game so much, and uh, it was a top-down castle builder where you you know you build your castle you build your castle and then you have territory that you i can't i hardly remember how it works but you know there's some kind of like map of europe or something that you zoom out to and like you capture territories and you're attacked and like the pope yeah. is a faction and he's just a total badass like when the pope hates you you're just totally fucked because his knights come in um but it's if you took a screenshot of rampart there are parts of that game where if you took a screenshot of Rampart and you took a screenshot of Castles and you put them next to each other, you're like, oh, yeah, these these are pretty similar games. These, these are, are the same genres. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not true. Like, yeah. you know, Castles is very much a, you know, long game session uh, sort of intricate thing. And then Ramparts is just this crazy. People going, oh, fuck. Like, oh, fuck. Oh, God, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. That game's really fun. Yeah. It's cool. That sounds great. How many, how, like, a few minutes for a round, for the full thing? The, the full, like. A victor? Uh. The, each cycle seems like it takes a couple minutes, but then it, it was taking us 
probably three or four full rounds before someone would die and then get in, and come back in. So yeah. it was probably and, and you can go through and you can it seemed like it was die like, and come back a few times. Yeah, it right. seemed like it was probably five ten minutes uh, before least, before yeah. someone was dead. But we also don't. I don't think we know how the continue system like, actually works when it's when it's quarters yeah, based. Yeah, like yeah. The, it might have been set up to just do two always. Yeah, or like yeah, because I know arcade games you can debug in the and give you know you can mm-hmm. in the in the power on screen change the number of lives and stuff that people yeah, get. Yeah. So it may have it may be more ruthless when it's expecting you to put quarters in. Like it probably expects yeah. you to put a quarter in each of those times. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good fun. It was good so to get a rampart cabin, is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> it's super good. Yeah, yeah. Nobody bought like of our crew. Nobody bought anything down there, right? From like, Idle Thumbs type people. Like uh, was Doug was. I've always felt like Doug was in the market for, for, uh, <laughs> for like a no. cocktail. Gallagher no, but yeah. Now the the video games hot dog podcast is the proud owner of that rampart cabinet. Man, yeah. all right, we're going on the road. Live show from Phoenix. We're just going to play rampart <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Um, what else do you guys play? Oh man, one one other thing that they did have there, which was uh, generally terrible, is there's <laughs> a guy who I guess acquired arcade boards from a bunch of never released Atari games, which sounds kind of interesting, but is actually what you'd expect. Like Marble Madness Two: Colon Marble Man, where the mar- <laughs> where the marbles all have wacky faces on them. Oh, oh god, that god. sounds horrible. Oh, it's so bad. It was really it's bad. different than what I imagined when you said Marble Man. It was like a Michelin man made of marble. Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking. Yeah. No, yeah. it is yeah. just like, like there's just a smiley face whenever the marble sits still. He's happy mm-hmm. and like. Um, Does he get like super like extreme and angry? When he's no, like it that? just it it looked like Marble Madness. The original has that yeah. really weird sort of freaky style where there that are these sort of yeah. There's, like, there's also vector-y. living creatures, but they're all like just completely devoid of any face or anything that makes them <laughs> yeah. seem real. And the marbles are just these circles. Like it, it is right. you're playing basically a trapper keeper cover. <laughs> um, but but Marble Madness two, I guess they thought that what was holding Marble Madness one back was that there wasn't a wacky face on everything. <laughs> also, they thought the levels were too good in Marble Madness one. Apparently, so it was it was really obvious why that wasn't released. The um, funny thing about that to me is that usually I you you associate that with. The shitty knockoff from a competing yeah. This company. is the, right, the hit right. sequel. <laughs> they yeah. ruined their own game. They didn't need yeah. That's um, so funny because JP has this car has this cartridge in his house for this uh, for a game called Dot Gobbler. Have you guys ever ever seen this? It's <laughs> is it a Pac-Man weird. knockoff? It's a Pac-Man okay. knockoff, and I'm going to show you the photo of it. <gasps> oh my god! It is it is a sort of oh we'll put that up on the blog like figure, that is amazing. but it's like a guy with realistic pudgy arms and legs, but his whole body is just a, a sphere like Pac-Man. But instead of the big pie, like pizza slice shaped mouth he's just got a mouth and like big cartoon <laughs> eyes and so mouth. and he's and he's he's running like the on the cover of this on the cover of dot gobbler he's just booking it like this horrible pudgy freak is just is just booking just it away dots, as guns, dots. yeah with these dots that he is okay so the whole point of pac-man is that he's just a mouth so he just consumes things. Right. Doc Gobbler is actually like grabbing the pills and <laughs> stuffing them in his mouth as he runs, and all, and he's looking behind him. Like he's got cartoon eyes that are like he's like he's sassily sort of looking, like, looking, he's over, looking his over his shoulder. Except yeah, you'd think it would be sassy, except that he's sweating his fucking balls off. <laughs> so he just looks like he's terrified, and he's like, oh my god! And then behind him are three ghosts, but they don't look, again. They're not like stylized Pac-Man ghosts. They just look. 
like three people in sheets. Like they just look like three people with the terrible Halloween costume. Oh so you gosh. just imagine this fucking poor freak of nature poor. just stuffing acid. God, Doc Gobbler like, is just, just the story of just a fat consuming. kid on Halloween. <laughs> well, he's I see. I imagine him. That's funny, but I imagine him like just on the worst acid trip imaginable. Like he's oh my god, just sweating as just like three dudes oh. in sheets are behind him. Oh god. Oh god. I was picturing like the fat kid whose costume has been torn off but he still can't stop eating as these kids are tormenting him and chasing him around his neighborhood so these are just like tootsie rolls yeah it's just oh like, glue oh. that cowboy <laughs> Oh, it's probably one of those two also, things. Also, the ghosts behind him, they have frowns, but they don't look angry. They just look really bummed out. Uh, <laughs> Everything about this uh, is the most depressing. It's, oh, it's oh terrible. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> I was going to change this. Okay, we're still talking. Well, no, 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 The company is Mr. Computer Products. <laughs> That'll thumb subsidiary. God, thank God. God, thank God. It's just terrible. I look at it. It's so distressing to me. (laughs) He has that in his home? Yeah, JP has this just displayed on his bookshelf. (laughs) It's so weird. That is incredible. That is a treasure. Yeah. Sadly, that was not a California extreme. No. Oh, no. Look at the full color version. Oh god, it doesn't get any better. Oh, I don't want to look at that anymore. He's got these horrible got rosy, rosy, cheeks. rosy cheeks and this like blush. He's wearing lipstick apparently. This is the saddest is that, kid. Is that Mrs. Doc this is like, no. no, this is just Doc Gobbler. This is the kid who like tried on his mom's makeup and like <laughs> he eats, went his like, Raggedy Ann for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. But his dress got ripped off and he has just a, oh, fat, just, sad candy eater being chased by some yeah. older boys <laughs> who originally dressed as ghosts. Like just, yeah. yeah, just cool move on those guys' part. That's uh, a, a classic. Well, that's because Doc Gobbler said nice ghost costumes, and that was the end of his Halloween. <laughs> He stood up to them once. It did not no, go well no, for Doc no. Gobbler. His dad, who doesn't respect him, said, you just got to stand up for yourself. He sees his, he sees his fat son in a yeah. Raggedy Ann costume yeah. with lipstick on. It's just like, oh, God. God. Cracks another old, old Milwaukee. Yeah, this, is, <laughs> this is actually the second season of Freaks and Geeks that we're describing right here. It's co-licensed from Doc Gobbler. Um, <laughs> Co-created by Dot Gobbler. Inspired by Dot Gobbler. Um, Dot like, Gobbler. Yeah, it's terrible. It's a good name. Oh, that's a GTLD, actually. Amazon's bidding really extensively to get Dot Gobbler. <laughs> Books Dot Gobbler? Yeah, Amazon Dot Gobbler. Um, Game, games Dot Gobbler? <laughs> yeah, we have to stop talking about this Sorry, now. Sorry, go ahead. What were you going to bring up? Oh, I was right? going to talk about a game that I played at California Extreme. Oh, the expo it. that we are talking about. Was it's, it Dot Gobbler? Sorry, go. What was it? <laughs> no. Um, it was another canceled Atari game, but it was actually one that oh. I kind of enjoyed. Oh, you had something there? I wasn't going to say the words dot gobbler. Oh, okay. you were. Because um, you play the hell out of clacks at every California yes. extreme. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I love clacks. And, and but I only ever play it at like weird arcade shows in the South Bay. Like I don't, I don't own that game on any format. Yeah. I just, I, <laughs> once every year or two, I play it for like three hours straight. It's probably why you love it so much. It probably is. I don't it's get tired like of it. It's probably like a whole sort of where like, yeah. it's time for, it's a time for clacks or whatever. It is the nineties and it is time for clacks. Yeah. yeah. That is the weird opening crawl of that game. It yeah. is the nineties and it is, and there is time for clacks. Oh, there right. is time there for is clacks. Time. There is like time for clacks. It's like a turn to sell you. Oh, there's time for clacks. Yeah. <laughs> it's just chill. It's the nineties. Um, 
But this game that I was playing uh, is called Sparks with an X. S-P-A-R-X. Mm. And I think that the reason this game... Well, the reason that this game didn't get shipped in my brain is because the theme is you're a mad scientist who's trying to create a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the actual mechanics are is a combination of a falling block game and Pipe Dream, mm-hmm. which is actually rad. Where on one side of the screen, they're um, just laid out per grid unit. There's sort of just uh, an entire row of, of red inputs. And then on the right side of your column is just a bunch of blue outputs. And blocks fall down and you have to line them up to make a circuit to make a circuit correct so you can you can loop back reds on reds and you mm-hmm. can connect them to blues but it um the way that it scored reminded me a lot of clax uh, uh why do why, why did i even remember clax i don't remember at all why it reminded me of that other than it's a falling tile match game that i think mm-hmm. may it looked like a similar X. era but yeah i'd never played an arcade game that was like that was that used those two mechanics in tandem. I mean, maybe there are other games that work like that, but mm-hmm. um, I played way too much of it. Basically, I built at least two thirds of that sweet robot slash Frankenstein that scientist was making. But yeah. it seemed when I was playing it, it seemed like a game you would like. And now I've of course forgotten the details of the mechanics, which is sure. completely completely terrible. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I will say that it, that it is one of the things I love. I mean, you know, I was saying earlier these these arcade. Going to arcade shows like this are usually full of new experiences for me, which I like. But one of the things I, one of the reasons I like it so much is because you can, f- obviously, any era of you know any especially older eras of games, regardless of platform, there was a lot of crazy genre experimentation. Mm-hmm. But going to a crazy arcade show like this is pretty unique because these are machines that are still operational that you can still play. Mm-hmm. It's not like finding some old PC game or finding like an old ROM console ROM or something that you just found amidst thousands on the internet. You know, like you have to kind of look for something specifically if you're going to find an old game. But when you go to an arcade, it's a weird, it's an unusual case of like a sort of semi-curated place where you go and there's just stuff there that just happens to be there right. because the guy who happened to own this machine and, you know, something, well, somebody hauled oh, it there and said, oh, yeah. somebody should play this. And, and something like um, Clax or Sparks. Sparks with a or, Z, not an X, my Z. bad. Yeah, or uh, or the game, oh, like Rampart. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess Rampart's pretty well known, but like you're not necessarily just going to come across these just because, right. you know, like you, the equivalent of those games on like a console system or on, or on early PC stuff, like you're not just going to come across it, but you go to an arcade show and like, yeah, that just stuff happens to be there instead of some other game just because it is. And it's because it's from an earlier era, you get those crazy experimentations before the genres had all established themselves or, you know, not that there couldn't be new genres in the future, but it seems like right now we're living in a pretty solidified, you know, time for that stuff. The obvious mechanic of Sparks, which I'd completely forgotten, duh, is that when you complete a pipe dream circuit from left to right, it disappears like a Tetris line. But oh. that means you end up with these completely weird, irregular shapes that have multiple in and out points that then when they erase, all of the sort of dead blocks fall, fall together. Yeah. So you can you can orchestrate weird uh, tile and line matching chain events mm-hmm. that end up getting way more complicated and fucked than usual because you're making all these sort of... It's not just horizontal, vertical, or diagonal, but you're creating these weird sort of winding snakes, either through a combination of of chance because you have to play the tiles you get or trying to line stuff up. And then the other thing that they introduce later on in play is uh, a piece which you can drop to either clear one tile or if you touch it to the end of a live circuit that isn't connected to anything yet, it'll wipe that entire circuit off the map. Anyway, it was actually it was surprisingly good. That's cool. It was, um, I would play it again. Yeah. 
Anyway, that's all. Except for the crappy mad scientist stuff. It was really bad. God, it was really off-putting. Is that why you think it didn't do... Because you, you opened that story saying, and the reason I think yeah, it I didn't get... Yeah, I don't understand what... The theme of that is. game, just like the aesthetics of it and stuff were just really unappealing as an arcade game to me. Like I looked at it and went, ugh, well, I guess I'm standing next to all these other canceled Atari games, so I'll play this weird, stupid thing. Oh, man, wait a minute. I'm having a really good time. But maybe what was so? I see you're not communicating. Why I can't I explain know. why it's just like the art was really bad. The, uh-huh. But you, the you think the game did not come out because it's strictly for aesthetic reasons? I don't know if that's actually true, but like the mechanics of it don't seem that different than a lot of other games why, from that era. That's why Jake Rodkin, CEO, would have. That's shot why it down. I would have. I would have said, "What is this? This is gross." When you were Nolan Bushnell's warm tongue, yeah. <laughs> Cancel the game, Nolan. But I don't know why Sparks <laughs> doesn't exist, or maybe it does, and it's mislabeled. Mm. Yeah, California anyway, Extreme. Uh, California really, there was. Some, you guys tweeted about some kid playing a Far Cry shooter cabinet. Oh yeah, there are these kids playing uh, the Far Cry, the Far Cry Instincts Paradise Lost. That's the name of a game. Uh, prototype arcade cabinet where you know one of those ones where you sit down on the thing and like you grab the big machine gun that's mounted. To the, right. To that the was cabinet. actually how our, our California Extreme experience started, and it was a really off-putting way to start it because it was yeah, two it was. kids who were probably like ten, yeah, or maybe a little like younger than eight, that, eight, yeah, yeah, who were just sitting at this thing playing a Far Cry game, which is funny, but what it actually is is just you see the guy in his like tropical unbuttoned shirt, like. Far Cry 1 style dude booking it across an island and then he always every 20 or 30 seconds uh, finds a sick turret that he jumps into and then it's just really badly animated guys come running out from huts and you just shoot them and there's just, your they just run into the crosshairs there's just blood coming out everywhere and they were so stoked and I was like Ugh. It, it was just, <laughs> it's the video game that they put in a movie when they're showing a little kid playing a gross yeah. video gotcha. game yeah, <laughs> yeah. All gross. those kids were just like, oh, man, then I blew away 14 more guys. Oh, blow yeah. away those guys. Oh, shoot that guy. Shoot him. Shoot him. Shoot. Yeah. I'll get the – um, yeah. there was that and there was that game Grid, which looked like – Grid? Grid was the that – racing game? No, Grid, the arcade game that was lit, the third-person over-the-shoulder arena shooter that uh, – oh, the, yeah. uh, the way that we were describing that was this is the game that looks like someone described Quake 3 Arena to someone – to like a movie production designer who had no idea what a video game was. Right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like these low poly 3D guys running around in arena. It was like in a, it was like in that in like a fucking X Files episode or something where they go into yeah. a virtual reality. Game. <laughs> yeah, where it, 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 like it shows your low poly character walk into like a, it's it tries to have the sort of Smash TV right. like oh this is like an arena sport thing, but they walk into a, a little cube room and then the walls go and turn into a green like hollow grid, uh-huh. and then that fades away to reveal like a techno battlefield where it is just third third person guys running around that you control with a joystick. Um, and there's a jump button and a shoot button, and all you do is like walk three feet and pick up the huge rocket launcher, and then ro- walk four or five more feet and pick up the huge laser gun and just shoot other guys who blow up in a huge pile of guts, and that's all that it is. <laughs> just like a minute and a half. Oh, and you have to type in your ID with like a um, like a touchtone phone keypad. So it's like doot, 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 log in, type in your name, and that's how it remembers your grid stats. Oh Man, gosh. it was just like. We're trying to save arcades, but this is not what a game actually yeah, is. It's coming like the 3D, it's like yeah. 3D movies of the arcade world. Yeah. Where just, yeah. People can log in with their to the grid. Like, <laughs> anyway. NFL Blitz had a thing where you could bring... Gosh. There's some racing games like that, too. I you, think, could where you, can bring what? you could bring your N64 what? memory cartridge and plug no it into way. the arcade cabinet and have all your stats wow. and stuff. 
That's actually rad. Like I Yeah, that's cooler I, than these other things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I so, could also be completely wrong, but I'm almost one hundred percent. So just I take... played Blitz at home and in the arcade a lot. There was for some reason there was a Blitz cabinet in Cody, Wyoming. I think somebody's parents thought it'd be a good idea to start an arcade. I think it lasted about eighteen months. But I think it's time for a break. For some reason, halfway through that podcast, I started thinking about how much I hated Batman again. <laughs> no. Just the guy? No, I love I Batman the guy. I stopwatch, so I don't know how long that half was. Uh, That's fine. I thought it was a good length. Oh, oh man. you hated Batman. I, I, also, like the, the I, thought movie, you, I thought you liked Dark Knight Rises. Oh, 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 I didn't see that. God, you can't see it, which sucks, because the picture that I took was like half a second after the cyber grid started fading away, but this fucking like 90s cyber dude was playing grid, so I could not not take oh, a picture. Oh my yeah. god, that's and he's wearing that crazy deer shirt. Yeah, Can you take uh, yeah, This is like this yeah. is this is you got, I got a better this is, one. No, this is a photo got, of Steve from yeah, I've, got of this, I've got a picture of this guy and his 390s friends playing well, you should have spoiled it. Well, but you'll see. Yeah, well, they're playing Time Traveler, the Sega hologram game. Look at this. If the dream of the fucking These 90s... guys are the first three subscribers to Steve's recall Look blog. Oh my god. Oh, with the little, like, LaserDisc hologram man. I thought he was way younger. The guy. No, he's been having that look for a little while. Yeah. That guy has... But look, look at the girl over there. No, I'm with it. Everything. I'm just going slow. Yeah. You got everything. Types of pain I don't like are, like, piercing pains. Like, being stabbed. <laughs> I don't yeah, care for that. Most people aren't into that. Being like, shot or killed. Like a shot. Like getting an actual shot is grosses. Or like taking my getting my blood drawn or something like that. Gross yeah, me that out. Does, that stuff doesn't bother Whereas me. Whereas like blunt that force. Really like it's why I don't really freak out about riding my motorcycle. Whereas like if I fall off this thing, it's gonna hurt really bad at all. What if you fall into a like blood a bl- donation truck? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that'll You'd be... You'd have to fall into it in a really a specific way. way. <laughs> the chair right and knock another guy out as the needle's about to go, no, 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 I'm a different guy. I was a motorcycle accident. The nurse just comes comes over, just finishes doing the thing, gives you a lollipop. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, that was so bad. Yeah, was not so bad after all. <laughs> I don't know why I tried. I die because my as spleen is ruptured. As just an 18-wheeler just slams the into yeah. the... <laughs> the thing you had swerved to avoid earlier. That'd be that'd be impressive if you overshot the truck that like T-boned you. <laughs> yeah. You flew to a chair, got a blood donation all before before that. That's all just happening in like max pain, sliding down the street, and then just oh, killed you. People avoiding crazy accidents only to get run over by that car after having an accident happens all the time. Especially with motorcycles. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, where you're just oh, I'm okay. Oh, yeah, it's like oh, I I missed the wreck, but I hit this pole, and now I'm being run over by the car that I dodged. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, horrible. Not to me though. Not yet. Not yet. Fuck, dude. Oh God, I was watching a YouTube, actually from the motor from the forums. Like this guy, like. Linked, from the Idle Thumbs Motorcycle the Idle Thumbs Club. Motorcycle Club forums linked a really great video from a series called Ride Apart and it after the YouTube was up it just sort of like said like oh here's three more videos and one of them's like Guy Rex on Mulholland <laughs> and then I don't know watch that and then I so I watched that because I don't I really see Motorcycle Rex so it's always just interesting to me to see what idiots do or what happens maybe they're not idiots this one was amazing he comes barreling around a corner like in a full lean going probably like probably three times the speed limit there's a cop sitting there. Three times the speed limit? Yeah, the speed limit on the corner is probably 25, and he's probably going 75. Jesus. Just ripping around this corner, yeah. like, in a full lean, like, knee, like, mm-hmm. six, like yeah. six inches off the ground. And he sees a cop who's just parked there, 
that just reveals himself, and you see him just have the cop response. I'm like, oh, there's a cop, except yeah. he's going 75 at the oh apex of like a Laguna Seca style yeah. turn. <gasps> just completely wipes out, and the cop oh. just sort of crawls forward. <laughs> and like, it's a really good Flips video. on the siren. Yeah. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> the guy's just laying there, like covered in gravel. Is that not the douchiest thing, wrecked. by the way? A little like okay, yeah, yeah, I know you're there. That's why I've been slowing down. <laughs> I saw the red light go on. It's yeah, yeah. All the problem is, is that just led me into a, a rabbit hole of motorcycle wrecks. So I'm in kind of a weird. That's when you drove your bike into a rabbit hole. Yeah, and then it, 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 short yeah. episode this week. Thanks, guys. Video <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> There was actually a time when AOL 5 came out. I read this, um, this, like, factoid somewhere where when at AOL's peak, when the new AOL was coming out, they bought up the entire planet's CD production for a week. It was impossible <laughs> oh to get a single CD made right. on the earth for a week. When was this? Like 1995. That's incredible. Yeah. It's an awesome story. I can't, I have to find it. But that actually reminds me is uh, somebody at work loaned me this game Afterlife that I used to play a lot. It was a LucasArts, basically like God game. Mm-hmm. It was SimCity for Heaven and Hell. Um, yeah, I remember it existing, written and designed by Mike Stanley at LucasArts. Yeah. And it's like the game I played a lot when I was like, 11. Uh, and uh, it was lent to me. And then, <laughs> God, I wish I could find the tweet. Um, I bet I can. But it said like on the on the send us an electronic mail message at like CompuServe 95888 <laughs> yeah. at like Lucas no, they're, all, they're all CompuServe addresses were all just like just 16 numbers. numbers at CompuServe it was like an ICQ number 6A yeah. yeah. like what it was so weird when you saw companies actually use those as their yeah. their contact just write us at 24486-4b8 at CompuServe.biz yep. or to comp probably uh, CompuServe.CompuServe instruction manual contact us by internet email to seven five three zero zero dot five four dot four five four at compuserve dot com or lucasarts three at aol dot com. <laughs> oh yes! Oh man! Oh. So now's the time to add lucasarts three to all of your aim buddy lists and see if someone is signing on to that account. Uh, I would like to redeem my afterlife thing. Every time I yeah, every time I lucasarts three is that <laughs> tremendous? That is incredible. Yeah, God. <laughs> Two Zach <laughs> McCracken fans somebody beat those. George yeah. Lucas to the internet is amazing. <laughs> Someone beat him to AOL. Yeah. I like that though. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I love LucasArts games. I'm gonna set LucasArts as my screen name. Oh, someone else already has it. Oh, someone already has LucasArts one. Ah, oh, LucasArts two is fine. No, <laughs> LucasArts themselves, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember um, when I uh, set up my friend and I in like 1998 set up a website to like to I was really into Warhammer in the 90s I think I've talked I think I've probably talked about that in the cast I forget if I have or not but I was into the oh, Warhammer that's where like, the etymology of the word lord comes from Warhammer it does yes have we talked about the etymology of that ever no but keep going tell, tell your we story should. first but so it's just um, uh, we set up just some stupid like store on the internet where we would like sell rare models that we would like obtain through like our local gaming store, uh, it was really pointless and, and dumb. But like, yeah. But but the thing, thus creating the Remo Empire. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. The, the reason that the reason that I that I bring it up is because I remember uh, we uh, we just had an, an email address that was um, 
Like our, our website and our everything was hosted on our local ISP and ours was CTSnet. And for some reason, I had this idea in my head that I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll have a customer service thing. So I just, I just registered the email address customer service at CTSnet.com. Or actually, I think it was CTSnet.net. Yeah. I think it was the, was the ISP. And, for, I don't know why, but for, like, for some reason at the time, that, that was a really like, good idea. Yeah, I was like, oh, because it's a customer service address. So I'll just get customer service at whatever. And then I also got it at yahoo.com. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so weird. It's just funny to think about how impossible that would be now. <laughs> Do you still have the password for that account? No, I tried to recover all that stuff. Well, the CTS one is like long gone. Yeah, I right. tried to find a track God, down that customer service at yahoo.com. It was amazing, though. I tried to. How did you think that was going to work out? That's amazing. It's like the guy who I registered just, his plates, no plates. <laughs> Did you hear about that story? I ended no. up getting 6,000 tickets. <laughs> what? Yeah, this guy, he got custom plates. He said, you know, it'd be funny if it said no plates. So every time somebody gets pulled over, and they're like, oh, this guy's got no plates. So ticket for that. Also speeding. So just like no tickets or no plates racked up just 6,000 tickets in like two months. I don't understand why. I don't understand what the deal what is. Would Tell him to do that, or no, no, why, no. why he did, did why he get so many tickets for? It? Okay, so the cop pulls a guy over who doesn't have any plates in on. The grid for the license plate would write the word "no plates" uh, for a car's <laughs> plate number, no plates, and that would get entered into a database. Is that real? That sounds like an urban. Oh, no, that's a real that thing. Like urban legend, I, no, I read yeah. that in like a newspaper recently. Frank no plates. <laughs> Frank no plates. Because he had a quote from the guy who was like, "I don't know. I thought it'd be funny." <laughs> Literally, really I don't know, yeah. comma. I thought it'd be funny. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I'm. So we're back, I guess. I'm really happy that you have customers, or you had at one point yeah. customer service at Yahoo.com. So I'm sure you just got a lot of garbage. Yeah, not as That's the thing. Right, were you super stoked though? And you're like, oh, this person's writing in about a Warhammer figurine. Yeah, and not about how their Yahoo <laughs> right. list list service fucks. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. What you should have started doing right then was oh, just also, answering Yahoo tech support oh, stuff, then ask for a job. Also, I remember that's when I started designing websites like occasionally for, uh, for like, you know, companies, lo- like local companies and stuff, mm-hmm. just like little things. And the the first website I ever made was not only did, this was none of this was on purpose as an an asshole, but like not only did I register the customer service account of the local ISP I use. I also just took their homepage and copied all of the HTML and like <laughs> images and everything and just changed the words around. So I never actually thought about this until just now. But my website just looked like my ISP's <laughs> website, but it had Warhammer shit on it. And my email address was just customer service <laughs> at this ISP. I never actually thought of like put those two things so anyway, together before. Remember that time when you were way younger and were just sort of incompetent <laughs> like, and an asshole? <laughs> yeah. Good times. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about Fez? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fez. Have you? Did you play Fez at all, Sean? Because I had an IGF build, but did I you? watched you play the IGF build? Okay. The world turns around. Yeah. It spins around. It's the two D three. Yeah. The guy's got the little hat on. Fez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I actually first played it on the IGF with the IGF build as well. Sorry. And uh, I mean, I, yeah, I probably played it right at the same time you did, Jake. And it was it was interesting because when I played it first. I didn't really get into it. I played it for a couple hours. That's all that and, I've played it so far. Surprise. Yeah, and and you, you know, I'm sure most people listening know what the game is. It's a it's sort of ostensibly a 2D platformer, except you except it's actually built out in 3D, and you can rotate 
the world around the vertical axis. Yeah, like 90 and, degree flips. Yeah, and it will always act as if it's a flat plane. So you can, you know, it, I don't even know it's how like to describe it. a tree that would be it, in the background technically if you were looking in 3D space since it's in pixel art drawn front on yeah. becomes a tree you can jump onto. Right. And then you can rotate the camera and it turns yeah. out, oh, it was 100 feet to the left. Right. So your guy whips over to that space when you rotate right. the camera. Yeah, when a plane, when a plane is just in... When you're just looking at the game in 2D, there is there is no perspective, and so everything is all at the same depth. Yep. Um, and so it's you know it's it's a clever concept and it's cool, but like the actual reality of it, I found is that it's actually just a fairly unremarkable platformer. Like ultimately, you know, you and the thing that makes it more frustrating is that you have to collect just a bajillion. Yeah, was, my of experience these with Fez cubes. was a lot of like find a door. Rotate the room 360 degrees to make sure there weren't any secret doors that I was missing. Walk out of the door, rotate the room around, and then until, until I'd found cubes. Yeah. But I didn't get far enough, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, and it just, and that's what most of the game is. And so you're playing, I'm, I, so that's why I stopped playing, you know, with the IGF build after a couple hours. Cause I'm like, I just don't, is this just the game? Just do this forever. You just do this for hours and hours and hours. You just find these cubes. And, you know, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful game. And it's, so, it sounds beautiful and it looks gorgeous. And it's, you know, it's I mean, got it's got that retro PC post screen. At the beginning yeah, of it. it's got a lot of all, all that really cool stuff. Yeah, it's got really just really great aesthetic touches throughout. It's you know it's really cool, but the the game itself I just found really tedious, and the platforming wasn't interesting enough to make the just nonstop collection interesting. So I so I and so I'm going somewhere with this. I because actually my ultimate. Sorry, you wanted to talk about Fez because you hate it. No, my ultimate experience with the game is positive. I don't want to just only ever <laughs> say negative things about game, but I do I do want to preface it with this because that was an important part of my experience. With this game. And so I didn't, so I stopped playing the IGF build and whatever, you know, a few months pass. And, uh, and I, my roommate at the time, we start just sort of on a whim playing it, uh, co-op on the, or, I mean, I say co-op, but it's not, it's just, it's a single player Swapping game, the controller. but right. We would just pass the controller back and forth. So she'd play a bit and then I would give the adventure game style, like, Oh, remember when we were in that room, like 15 minutes ago and there was that thing on the wall and listen to that. You know, the way you play like a point and click adventure game with, yeah. two, with two people. It, it started feeling like that. So we, we, but still, you know, we playing for most of it, it was just the, the platformer stuff. But then something happens in that game where you, you complete the game or you get enough cubes that you can get to the end. I forget how, how it works exactly. And it turns out there's this whole other entire game within Fez. There's like two games in there and one of them is a fairly generic platformer but then also there's this crazy mist style thing that i i'm sure everyone's talked about by now but but it took me totally by surprise where there's just these embedded puzzles that are within the world that the game never explicitly calls out that you just start solving because you start realizing things and because you start to realize there are places you can't get to and things you can't do based on just what the game appears to be so as we're playing this game more and more we start like accruing pages of paper where we're writing things down and like, you know, taking notes on things and like transcribing symbols and this and that. And there's an entire language in the game that is just, a, it's a simple cipher. It's just a character swap. Right. You know, so like, like a, a looks font, like this. Basically. Exactly. It's yeah. like a different font. There's a number system based on like positions of, of little, uh, lines within squares. And like, there's actual, it like makes sense as a like pictorial numerical counting system that you figure out in the game. There's all this stuff that is like, there's this whole other layer to this world that is just embedded puzzles within the environment. And it's totally out. Of, it's has almost nothing to do with what the sort of 
ostensible game of Fez is Did about. Did you end up completing the puzzle portion of this as well? Like, <laughs> so, like, how does that work? Sort of. We, oh, it's really tragic, actually. So we, we played this game for like more than a month. I mean, like, you know, it took a long time. And, uh, because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the puzzles are really hard. They're really obtuse things where it's just, you'll just get stuck on them for a while because you just can't think of what to do. And then you'll have a breakthrough and you'll figure something out. In fact, we solved so many, um, we figured out, we transcribed so many of these like etchings on walls that we actually got to the point where we could just read the language in the, like, it was crazy. It was an amazing feeling actually. Um, where we could just look at this like glyphs, you know, mm-hmm. on a stone face on the thing and just read it. It was crazy. I've never had that happen to me in a game before where I could look at this fictional language and just comprehend it because we've translated it so many times. Uh, it was, it, it was, it's a crazy thing that this game. Sean, you're like dumbstruck by this. <laughs> like, this sounds rad though. Like why I yeah. play Fez apparently. And it was interesting. And I realized that you couldn't, you, there's no way this game could have been made had it not also just included this sort of standard. It needed that because otherwise people it. would play for 20 minutes and go, what the what, F is yeah. this? But and what's also away, weird right. is that 15 years ago, that's what Mist was. Yeah. It was just that. They just cut to that. Right. Um, except I think this is more interesting than Mist in a way because the puzzles, it's not like Mist is like, here's this chessboard. You know, do or whatever. Here's this. Seventh like, guest is the chessboard one. Mist is yeah. Like, Mist is like here's these the animal sounds. with a rocket on yeah. it or whatever. Yeah, like it's very obviously puzzles in front of your face. Whereas Fez is even more obscured, where they're just sort of in the world. Like there's just sort of like a you know headstone or whatever with stuff on it, and you just oh I guess maybe I do this to it. Like I, the, I also when you beat the game, you get a new way of interacting with the world. Like you actually get an additional way to you like a use button of some kind. That you didn't. Yeah, have you get you get an ability to like look in three D, uh, which becomes necessary to solve a lot of this stuff. But uh, this is really randomly uh, rambling. I'm not really. I wish I had a more central thesis, but like it, there was something really remarkable about just immersing ourselves into this world and just learning the world. You know, like not, mm-hmm. not, not just like learning a mechanical system that we get better at through practice, but actually just learning how to comprehend what's going on in the puzzle system that is just embedded into the environment. It was, it was really cool. Um, the tragic thing about why we didn't finish the game finally, I mean, there's, there's some cheap shit in there. You know, like there's, there are a couple times we had to just straight up go onto an FAQ and figure out what to do because I'm sure we eventually could have figured them out. And we did figure out most of the stuff ourselves, but there were a few moments we had to go on online online and look. But the thing that tripped us up was the final last like secret cube, you know, it's like 64 cubes and this and that. And then there's like three even more secret cubes that aren't even listed. And, uh, and one of them is in, is in a room where there's a clock that goes around and there's four faces to the clock, depending on which right. you know mm-hmm. s- face of the game you're looking at. You can rotate it around, and one of them seems to be on like a two day scale, you know. So it hit it hit it hit midnight once every two days, and as far as I can tell, as far as we were able to figure out, it seems like it hit midnight around like three a.m. But it's in real time, in real time. Oh my god! And the cube that you get for solving it only appears for like five seconds right when it hits midnight. And for weeks, for weeks, we would, we would be up at like 2 AM 
and it'd be like, all right, we're just going to sit here until this goddamn thing's come, thing comes up. But then we would turn it on. It would be in the totally wrong place. And we were like, oh, we, we must have miscalculated. And so we would, you know, the next couple of days we would load it up and we would try to like gauge how fast it's going and then predict when it would be back at midnight right. based on like, all right, yesterday, between yesterday and today, it's moved like six hours. So if we just multiply that amount of time by four, that'll be like 24 hours. And we were always wrong. I don't know. Or it's like we were just completely incorrect about the method even. But we for weeks and weeks, we – and our resolve weakened every time to the point where like <laughs> we started checking it every day. Then we were checking it like once every few days. Then like once every week or two. You know, yeah, we right. would we would bother, and then it's been like a month now, and we haven't we haven't. So is this sort of this slow fade away? Yeah, it really is. That's really sad. We've, yeah, we've just kind of just that's actually the lesson of the final from, cube from yeah. Fez. <laughs> what? I don't know what the lesson is actually supposed <laughs> to mean. You can't go home again. <laughs> yeah. Bill Fish is somewhere listening somewhere listening to this with his fingers like intertwined over his chest, and he's just finally. Yeah, <laughs> just have two tears yeah. stream down his face, and you know, it's I don't know how I feel yeah. about it because I mean, there is a part of it that part of me that's very frustrated by that because right. it feels like kind of a cheap puzzle to begin with, you know, like it's mm-hmm. just kind of coincidence. Whether but it was so, have... I mean, uh, you you can't argue of it about its success. No, no, exactly. Well, producing that's the other part this of it. insane behavior. Yeah, yeah, where I'm just like, well. I guess, I guess, I don't know. It seems sort of fitting to this world, I suppose, that I just kind of fade out of it. It would have been sadder if you didn't have the roommate. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have. There's just no way I would have played that long. Right, but just you as a solitary individual, I checked every day <laughs> and every two days, yeah, yeah. and I'd stay up till two in the morning and wait and be like, tonight's the night. Well, it'd be, like, it's it'd way, be like, two people makes it sound like it's the story of a sort of like bittersweet late 70s, early 80s young adult novel yeah right yeah but like fez is a weird mystical land that only the two of you can actually see but then it's sort of slowly <laughs> like bridge to terabithia yeah like bridge to terabithia exactly <laughs> yeah um and and the, the clock just never was at midnight <laughs> it only that one time and never again it's a metaphor um yeah but i, I didn't even talk about the sort of pseudocope experience more because that really was the only reason yeah that i i bothered i just wouldn't have stuck with it mm-hmm. long enough to realize which it's kind of a shame, I guess, thinking about it, but but it it is it is it does feel to me like Phil Fish had just this like crazy idea for a thing, but then also I guess the way you get there is just make a platformer. Yeah. Like platformer kind of just feels like default gameplay in indie right. games at this point, where it's like, what's the thing you do to express this like crazy aesthetic? Also, what I you have, can afford as a I guess it's person. a platformer. As um, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, but it also just does. It also it's like. Oh, it's a puzzle platformer. Oh, it's an adventure platformer. Oh, right. it's like, you know, I mean, it seems like sort of the blank canvas gameplay. Mm-hmm. But I, it took me a while before I before I um, kind of perceived the really fascinating stuff that that was serving to, in my case, kind of just mask. Right. You know, like it was sort of getting in the way of me finding the more the more fascinating things. And playing it, w- and playing it with someone helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Because, it, because the most interesting part of the game is the obtuse part, not the easy part. Like the platforming stuff is not that hard. Right. But the, 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 uh, the interesting part is the stuff that requires this weird lateral thinking where you're just it's like, oh, try this. Just try this weird thing. You know, and that's what adventure games are all about. It's like, oh, yeah. just try that crazy thing. Maybe that'll work. Oh, it did. Yeah. Ready for some reader mail? Yeah. Mail from you, the readers? Oh, yeah. Questions at idlethumbs.net is how you send it to us. And if you want to do some live reader mail, and you're going to be in Dallas on Saturday. Yeah, we're going to QuakeCon. Uh, I will be there. Jake and I will be there. And uh, Steve and Nick will all be on. Not Sean, because that guy's lame. I will not lame, be there, but, uh, lame. 
All the other elf elms will be there. Uh, I'm really bummed. What do you remember when our panel is? We Saturday. I know, and it's early afternoon, but it's on. If you go to blog.idlethumbs.net or just idlethumbs.net, um, there's a post about the QuakeCon panel there. And yeah. also, JP will be there with Brendan Chung, the guy who made 30 Flights of Love yeah. and Gravity Bone. Yep, they'll be doing a panel on modding its software games because, uh, as you guys may have seen from that live stream, JP's done some Doom modding, including that uh, Arcadia demake and. Brendan Chung obviously mods id games all the time because things like Gravity Bone and 30 Flights of Loving are built in the Quake 2 engine. So that panel should be pretty sweet. Yep. That's and there's, there's this right before ours. So go to their panel, to then theirs, run really far to the ours. other room that we're in, and then go to our panel. Yep. <laughs> They're in a huge like ballroom or something, and we're in some like, little room, I think. So that'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Even <laughs> like part of that little intimate thumbs crew. <laughs> Don't say intimate thumbs, probably, actually. That's a different site. Yeah. We're not affiliated no. with intimate thumbs. <laughs> Not not directly, at least. We have uh, memberships to intimate films. <laughs> you want to read your mail? Yeah. Yeah. This is from Johnny Driggs. Oh, um, also, if you ever watch any of our... For some reason, you digest Idle Thumbs. Well, it'll be a long time before you hear this one then. Only in YouTube format. Uh, Johnny has been the one helping us out, putting yep. those things on YouTube. So oh, yeah, thank we you. should actually just plug that for a half a second. Which, If you yeah. go to um, youtube.com slash idle videos, it is... Um, Johnny's been putting up all of our back episodes along with time-coded annotations so you can actually jump subject to subject to the archive and stuff. It's actually really cool. Yeah, um, it's a really nice resource. Also, if, if your for work something. for some reason blocks idlethumbs.net or iTunes but doesn't block YouTube, <laughs> which is a weird work filter, who's to say? You can visit us there. <laughs> that would be really odd now that I said that. But then, you know. You never know. No video games, but wacky animals and, like, movie trailers you can watch. You said wacky animals, and I just wanted to talk about those little pygmy goats jumping oh, all over. Oh, my God. All right. So Johnny asks, uh, listening to your last cast and the story of uh, uh, Sutomu Yamaguchi, the man who survived the attacks on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, got me thinking about what a game telling his story would be like. I realized that the game would be a surreal experience where the player is trying, or could be, he should say, um, where the player is trying to escape from those cities or warn others to flee, even though the character would have no logical basis for doing so. The player would direct the... Uh, the player would direct the character to do all he could to avoid calamity, but if anyone in the game asked Yamaguchi what motivated his actions, he wouldn't have an answer. A game could take the easy way out and put in some kind of dream sequence of premonitions, but that would be dumb. Agreed. That's me editorializing. I wonder, though, uh, if you or any of the listeners have any examples of dramatic irony being used in games. Since the player and protagonist are so conflated in games, I wonder how possible or advisable it is to give the player more knowledge than the player character. There's silly stuff like when the character uh, exit a building in a cutscene and the camera pulls back to reveal the villain watching them, but I wonder if there are more meaningful or interesting uses of dramatic irony. You'd probably have to make a game like Republic, uh, we should describe that, or that weird PS2 microphone game Lifeline where the player is playing as a character explicitly separate from the protagonist of the story. Anyway, I wanted to hear your thoughts. Well, it's funny. Is, uh, oh, go ahead. Okay, go. Oh, I just, I had the exact same thought uh, like days later in the car thinking about that story of the guy uh, who was in Hiroshima, survived uh, the first bombing of Hiroshima in 45 or whatever, um, the first atom bomb went off, and then went to Nagasaki and experienced the second one, which is pretty much the most horrific thing you could ever imagine. <laughs> and how you could tell a story like that, because uh, we looked at that up against DEF CON, you heard the episode. But um, yeah, I thought about that a lot. I didn't really come up with anything. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like he's at, he's sort of presenting a few different kinds of things. He talks about dramatic irony, but I feel like I feel like that isn't quite what dramatic irony is, right? right? Like it's dramatic irony is the audience being aware of something 
that the character isn't or right. you know char- certain characters being aware and other characters not being in the audience being aware of that right. that contrast but like i don't think that means i don't think that would i don't think that makes sense in a game where the characters acting on information the player knows right i was that's just gonna just, say that yeah that's kind of it would almost be like you would have to be manipulating the world to get yamaguchi out of these places knowing that the bomb's gonna go off but he doesn't he does right almost he, like the dog he from mr magoo act on any of those things <laughs> yeah he'd be, he'd be sort of breaking some weird right because then thing. it's not really irony you are yeah. just this dude who has insider information what yeah. is compelling me to move in this right. way yeah well actually what's and what's interesting in the reverse of that i forget what he the last things he said but could you actually could you read me the end of the email, yeah, email we'll again because it reminded me actually of the walking dead oh that's funny yeah um I wonder how possible or advisable it is to give the player more knowledge than the playable character. That's probably what you were oh, What did he say before that? Oh, really? I wonder, though, if you're, any of your listeners have any examples. Since the player or protagonists are so conflated in games, I wonder how possible or okay. advisable it is to give Yeah. Them. Well, just in general, I guess the whole second half of the thing, when mm-hmm. he was just talking about you know player, player versus character and like them being conflated or not, I mean, it did remind me of The Walking Dead in the sense that my character, I feel like, knows a lot more about himself than I do. You know, so there's, there's interesting... The thing, one of the things I forget if we already, we I may have already talked about this when we were talking about Walking Dead on a progress cast a while ago. Yeah. I can't remember off or on the podcast, but um, but there's definitely an interesting, con- sort of an interesting like conflict there, which I don't say is like a negative thing, but just like there's an interesting conflict where the character of Lee obviously knows whether he's a murderer or not, um, and so you as the player, you don't know that. But you have to answer questions on his behalf when people ask him about it. So you have to kind of make a decision about how you want him to be defined as a character, even though you don't actually know why. Like the reason Lee says this thing that you make him say, he's saying it for a different reason potentially than you as the player are making him say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That was a terrible sentence. But, but I thought that was interesting when I was playing the game. Um, and it's kind of the yeah, reverse no. of what of what Johnny Drake just is describing, I suppose. For sure, I think you know. I mean, I can't really. I don't know if Jake and I talked over the intent of that too much in The Walking Dead. And well, you know, make this too much about that. But I, you know, we wanted to give you enough emotional information to feel like you could answer those questions. Um, in a way that allowed you to pass judgment on Lee if you wanted to, I guess sort of your behavior as Lee is more of an indictment of somebody who's done something bad and how you feel about that in a survival situation, whether that is pertinent or not. And then obviously you don't know if he has though or not. I mean, the game doesn't come out and say, I'm Lee Everett murdered that guy in cold blood. But I do feel like there's enough early information with the way he behaves in that cop car for you to get a sense of the sort of the type of baggage you're probably carrying around. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't come off. I think there's a place in episode one where you can straight up tell Clementine, "Yeah, I killed someone." Right, but you can also not. Yes. Right. So, something that I think we're kind of exploring in the game is player choices, like like dialogue that's that's put up on screen, is sort of valid world information, Mm. and that's always sort of the challenge. That's always sort of the challenge. you know, I didn't interpret that like, at all. It, can we tell a character's backstory by the things they could possibly say hmm. as opposed to the things they always explicitly say? Yeah. Which is why when um, other anybody ever, like when other people write Lee, which doesn't really happen too much, but a lot of, like I do a lot of 
editing of the things that he says because right. he doesn't need to say that much because you should be learning from the things that he can say, hmm. which I thought was kind of a more interesting way to tell a, a yeah, backstory for a character. But the, the general rule in The Walking Dead, which I think people are sometimes unclear on, which sucks, is... I don't think it necessarily sucks. We'll just, I find it interesting if... The, in the same way that you can't go back on content within the game itself, the past is super cemented in. So, um, like by telling Clementine, I didn't kill someone that does, that isn't effectively like rippling back through the timeline and affecting whether or not your, your Lee is guilty of a crime or not. If that makes sense. Yeah. But, but then there are people on the internet. who, who Right. That. But you could interpret what you just said similarly to say, just because you told her you did do it doesn't mean you did. I mean, right. So I mean, yeah. just from a straight up, like if you want to walk the logic all the way back, well, then what that means is that all the information that's given, that all the all the information that's given for to you to execute must be valid. Except that also means that Lee is simultaneously an asshole and not one, because if you can you also so. say, yeah, but you're saying you're but you're saying the things he could say are valid about him. Like personality is part of a person too, not for just, sure. not just factual action. Yeah. And so I think like, that's, that's a very calculated thing is, is this inside of the breadth and depth of what a, pe- of a, of this person, can he be this big of an asshole? Like we, I have to walk him back a lot, especially when other people write him, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah, I think, of- you know, it's, that's why the idea of good and bad, like the moment you start doing bad things in a game where good and bad is the, the, the choice mechanic, like, it kind of negates any of the good stuff you could ever do after that. You know, like if you like m- murder the guy and we should actually talk about spec ops at one point, but oh yeah, um, I forgot to talk about spec ops. Yeah, we will next week. Sure. But, uh, if you murder a guy in cold blood, like how much good stuff can you do? If you make the choice to do that in the video game, how much good stuff can you do, uh, to like negate that stuff? It's, well, it's like, interesting in the context of, yeah. of what you're, of what you're saying. The dialogue trees say about Lee's own past. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Lee is Lee's not supposed to be a quote unquote good character. It's interesting but because I, I, because I haven't found him to way. be the way that I've played him in the game. I have not found him to be an unsympathetic character. Like no, but I've I don't not think found that's... him to be. It's a, yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like right. I could have played him in a way that would have made me find him much less sympathetic. But I also think people go through phases in their life and have the possibility to be sympathetic or non sympathetic oh, based on the way they act, not necessarily on the things that they've done. You know, so I mean, that's kind of the, it's more. I mean, very per, like very honestly, and I really don't like talking about our own stuff on that thumbs. <laughs> but like, The Walking Dead for me, very like selfishly, and it's something I have to be careful of in development is an exploration of how far that level of character study can go when the character is your protagonist, and that's been an interesting academic challenge for me. And I don't know if it's always successful, I guess is the way, but how much of that, where is the line and where can I start to intuit? I don't even know how to begin to communicate it based on the things I feel like I'm learning about the game, but how can I personally start to intuit? This is the level of baggage people want to be carrying around. Maybe people don't want any baggage. Maybe people just want to be a blank slate. Maybe they just want, you know, you're just, you know, Gordon. You know, maybe that's what people want from a game where you're, you play the protagonist or they want just a cipher. But if we're going to say, okay, we're not doing that. We're going to make this about the character. We're going to make this about the player character. You're not, you know, um, what are the sort of rules you have to live by in order to tell that story? You know, so one of them we set up was like anything that's anything that is in a dialogue tree is 
validly canon, even if you don't say it. It's like it could have something that was bouncing around in his head at the time. Right. Like it's, I mean, uh, heavy rain did that, right. Where they're like the things would float around in his head, mm-hmm. like literally above his head. I thought that was actually kind of cool. I mean, I, it was a little over, it kind of gotten away from me, but, uh, that was just a, you know, so it's a lot of this, whether it's successful or not is something I'm actively learning. I think. You yeah. Know? So it definitely is interesting because we talk a lot about on this podcast about, about, what we imagine the intent of a creator to be versus what we perceive the game to be. So it's interesting actually right. just talking to you face to face, literally about <laughs> the thing you intended. That is not the way I interpreted it. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I've kind of given up and I mean like, like Neo class, like Neo modern or like a uh, postmodern criticism kind of very actively divorces authorial intent from the mm-hmm. reading of the text. Yeah. And I've kind of had to do that myself a little bit <laughs> where it's, <laughs> I'm digesting people's readings of the game well, and they're obviously no- all, they're obviously all just completely valid, but I stopped kind of thinking about. I've really like taken a lot of charge and a lot of power out of what I believe my intent to have been, and now just trying to yeah. continue to tell a good story based on the rules that we defined for ourselves early on. Yeah. Well, nothing will nothing will shatter the your perception of of your own in- creative intent in a game than watching people play your game. Yeah, but like, I mean, oh at the same God. time, like. There's a certain level of, of expectation that I really want people to take away from the game, but I kind of, I mean, it's why I like a lot of the games that I like that aren't The Walking Dead, that are just go exist in this, this meta moral, like, like morals and ethics and what's right or wrong, what the player, what the designer wants you to do is not part of the game. Like, just yeah, go well, I'm definitely you know? increasingly of the opinion. I think it's probably become pretty clear over the last several years of Vital Thumbs, but I'm definitely increasingly of the opinion that, you know, the, the less, the less heavy, uh, a game designer's narrative hand is probably the better. Yeah. You know, cause games are just not well, set up to be robust. Right. We keep saying that. this, but like, it's like, that's the game that we're making is just complete narrative content. So at that right. point, I'm like, you know what? Then like, I need to take away, the idea of what I want players interpretation of the story to be and just kind of tell a story on its face with right. a lot of implied. Yeah. Let the player make a lot of implied yeah. value. Judgments that's interesting. Like that. I mean, it's interesting to hear your thought process behind that. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you know, I think especially when you're a staff designer, like there's a house style. So sure. you're, you know, you say, okay, what are the things I want to accomplish from the design? Well, how do I want the game to feel? How do I make that happen inside of this style that is relatively rigid? Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, if we want, there's no way we could make this the systems-driven like simulation game. You know, it's right. not going to happen at Telltale. Yeah, and not even you know, I wouldn't, you know. So you know the sort of games you can make, and then you try to uh, do something for yourself inside that. I think mm-hmm. it's got a way far away from dramatic <laughs> irony. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Uh, I would love to make a game like that, though. I don't yeah, actually honestly, think I, I want to make that of, exact. I think game. a lot of games are like that. I, Which I, game? I don't. What? What are we talking about? Oh, the dramatic, dramatic irony. Thing. Oh, right, I mean, right, like, right. I don't know if dramatic irony is the right term, but sort of what he was describing, where the the uh, player explicitly knows more than the character does. I mean, right. I feel like that's pretty common. I generally hate that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Most yeah, of the time. I mean that's something I I harp on a lot. But I mean, I, do, I, I yeah. think I think it could probably if if used consciously for deliberate purpose, it could probably be really interesting. But I feel like most of the time it's just a side effect of not having thought things very well. Well, I was just going to make that, 
Oh, it's, it's so funny. You, you There's that one line in Driver San Francisco <laughs> that you said last week where he goes, with this new power I have. With this new thing I new can thing do. thing I can we'll do. Just, and meanwhile, that new thing he can do is pretty much just you pressing the buttons on the controller. Yeah. Like the character in the video game thinks it's something he can do. Meanwhile, Chris Remo sitting at home is making <laughs> this, I think this thing on the screen do it. The most you know? intense and most probably suspicious example of this is in a sequel where it's the same character and you as the player know all the mechanics from the first game, but the character wakes up with amnesia. Oh, like so every it can, Metroid game, basically. So it can tutorialize you the thing. But like Samus at that point is at least like, I know how to use all this stuff. Oh, that's true. But it's like, that's true. like the second Phoenix Wright game, which is an adventure game, sure. But like he just goes, oh, I don't remember anything. And then it's like, <laughs> but I have to go to court in 10 minutes? Like I just, <laughs> like, I had just played, I like just finished Phoenix Wright 1 within yeah. that same night. Like I was playing it in bed yeah. on ideas. And put the second one in was like, there's no way that you're just doing this to me right now. Okay, well, I just completed the most difficult case in the first game, and now Phoenix Wright has amnesia. Yeah, Phoenix Wright just fucking put a capper on a career. Like, yeah. of Phoenix Wright, amazing trial lawyer. Like, whatever. Trial of the century. And then he's yeah. like, oh, I guess I have to oh, present shit, evidence. Trial. Like, oh, my God. Like, tucking his shirt tails with yeah, his pants. Right, like, yeah. oh. Mussing his oh, hair. I can remember what an objection is. <laughs> Getting by by the skin of my teeth here in this, like, easiest court case of my entire life. Like, oh, I I guess I have to say objection. Oh my god! But like that's not an uncommon thing in a yeah, video. No, Portal right. Two does that. Portal Two says good morning. Look at a photograph. Learn how to jump. It's so yeah. charming though, and so well executed that you kind of give it a pass. God, there's a joke in there that's really good too. Yeah, <laughs> there's this joke that's in that video game. A joke, that talking joke, the talking jumping. Like, Press space bar to talk. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, that's, that's jumping. That's fantastic work. Yeah, oh, that was really oh, good. That was great. Yeah. Um, uh, next, anyway, next thanks, email. Johnny. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's see. I don't we may actually only have time for one more of these before I go insane. Let's make it good. We're doing so. Three. We're doing three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quality radio. You going insane? Uh, it's gracious. it's old news. Me going insane. Uh, it's about once every China or achievements. Is this a test? <laughs> Achievements. <laughs> Mike Clamaris asks, Hey guys, in your last podcast, was a 65, I think, you guys mentioned disliking achievements. Why is that? Personally, I'm indifferent towards them, except when they're in multiplayer games where they can influence how players act, and that can be frustrating. And as people that dislike them, how did you determine how they were awarded in Telltale's games on Steam, or why to have them at all? Does it hurt the sales of a game that doesn't have achievements? We have to have them because there's just if you're on Xbox you're on or Xbox, PlayStation, you have to have an achievement, and um, they're on Steam because they're on Xbox. So that's why that's there. Yeah, Telltale you game. don't have to have them on Steam, yeah. right? But because we have them in the other platforms, we yeah, just yeah, yeah. yeah, we don't not put Feature them in. Parody, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, do we want to get into the details of how they're implemented and why in The Walking Dead? Is that worth talking about for half a second? I it takes two seconds. Basically, they're chapter markers. Yeah, they're chapter markers, and they are that because we had to submit all of the achievements up front, which is why they are tied to linear story events. That and we don't really want people like that game wasn't really about poking around trying to do a weird thing to get an achievement especially in a game based upon choice you don't but, want people making choices based on trying to achieve anyway, yeah. so but why do i not like them in other games well i don't like them popping up in any game personally yeah. but um they people who make hardware like achievements to pop up why don't you why, why i don't know chris you, i mean oh you, you said, yeah, what you, you, said you said why don't i with you? oh i meant why isn't like why don't we like achievements. I mean, like, why some say that? Why doesn't? Why don't? Why I, some say? Idle why thumbs? don't I idle thumbs? <laughs> I thumb. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't always dislike them, but I don't like that they are that they are an expected thing. Right. You know, what I mean, it's like, I feel this way about a lot of things in games, right? Like, I don't, you know, I, I for this is a totally different example, and it's like it's so far removed as to be almost unrelated, except that it's just another thing that is accepted. Like, I don't, you know, I wish there were more games that weren't combat oriented in their design, right? Not because I think there's anything wrong with there being games that are about combat, but just like, you know, I wish it weren't so expected a thing that if you have a guy running around, he's going to be violent. And similarly, even though it's a to- entirely different type of expectation, I don't, I, I don't mind the achievements existing as a thing, but I don't like that they're just expected to, to be in every game now, you know, this yeah. like weird little, like usually goofy pun is expected to just pop up constantly right. throughout your game. And, a, and a, make you aware that you made a decision. Like it's more interesting to me um, that you just make the decision. And it's the interesting thing is what the game makes of it. And like what the fallout is based on the system or like, you know, in a game like what you guys are making based on where the narrative branches or whatever, like just the inherent thing in the game is what produces the interesting result. And if that's interesting enough, you shouldn't need this like little thing to tell you that it's interesting. It annoys me that like incredibly like, powerful heart-wrenching just horrible thing could happen in the game and then it's like yep oh it just wrecks me i really don't like that so and that's it's funny is i and i hate to compare games to movies and things like this but 3d is something where people like i don't think 3d is so bad i think it's good actually i really like it like it's really great what if there was a movie theater that you could like what if amc finally said we're only showing 3d movies that's it like and would you have movies that clearly don't need 3d in them tonally shoehorning 3d in so they can get distribution or would you basically just have a theater chain that didn't have a large swath of movies in them because well also or, you have because to buy, 3d made that also feel you tonal. Have, your tv suddenly just has to be 3d and this has to be 3d because that's what yeah. it is in games it's not like the it's not like the at this point it's not like the place you play the game means it's not gonna have achievements on it probably like Right. As you guys say, if you're making a multi-platform game and you have it on one platform that has it's achievements, really then you're yeah. you have achievements everywhere. Well, it's just like I mean that the 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 thing popping up at the dramatic moment, and you can place those anywhere, but still, um, isn't that sort of limiting the tone? Yeah, it absolutely. Of is. the sort of thing you can tell. So yeah. we've just put an arbitrary ceiling based on the fact that we want this cute marker and gamer score and all these things. We've put this arbitrary ceiling on the sorts of on how much the tone of a game can achieve. Yeah. I mean, it just makes it games, me nuts. It just sort of makes games, even games that aren't supposed to be toy-like, it just makes games more like toys, yep. where it's like sweet rocket attachment. Like, it's that's what it reminds me of, all this shit, where it's yeah. just, oh, right, achievements included in this game tells you when you a feel foil sick headshot. Like, it, yeah. bleh, the, the time I think achievements are appropriate is in... Like competitive games, for example, mm-hmm. where you're actually trying to achieve, explicitly achieve things. Like, or if you're playing something like Trials. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, Similarly, yeah. where it's just it's purely it's a game based on achieving things. Yeah, yeah. it's like, purely an exercise of skill. Yeah, you know, like you're achieving something in the way yeah. that like an athlete achieves something. Oh, like, my hands went numb trying to get them in geometry, geometry wars too. Like yeah. absolutely numb trying yeah. to get them the hard ones. And that seems totally appropriate. That's especially in the case of something like Geometry Wars, where that game is explicitly evoking the feeling of being this arcade where right. you're just you know you're trying to make your quarter go as far as it possibly can. Exactly. Achievement sort of in that spirit. You well, know? that's and, also the. Like, Achievements, it seems like, came out of early... Dis- were achievements on the original Xbox or were they just 360? No, 360. Because 
Xbox Live Arcade and the word arcade at the end of Xbox Live Arcade yeah. shaped so much of the 360 experience. Yeah, which, leaderboards. Which sucks because I think they were envisioning, like, this is a, to just go on a tangential hop for a second. I think people in big tech companies like Microsoft and Apple, especially a few years back, didn't quite understand what games actually were and just sort of have like a weird like dad opinion of what a game is which is why it still can be seen like, in apple's conception like, of what a yeah, game, game is. center on the iphone is like oh games like darts and pool at a bar right like that's what it is oh, like, like shuffleboard like, like when you bought hoyle 16 when one yeah, pack at staples in 1996 with, like, even with on the xbox 360 which is the follow-up to the xbox like oh downloadable maybe it's like little arcade games like yeah. maybe you could play centipede and there's a high score list and like but maybe we can do a new cool thing where if you kill 16 centipedes it tells you that you did that Right. But now it's like, uh, well, I'm not. Do you guys still have to put leaderboards in your games? No, no. Microsoft dropped okay. leaderboards as a required for thing the a couple years ago. Like Wallace and put, Gromit's yeah. Grand Adventures on the Xbox Live uh, <laughs> Arcade, which is a Telltale game, has a leaderboard, but it's like dialogue <laughs> lines heard. <laughs> Seriously, that's like we had to have it because like it's an arcade game. Mm, it's you're playing an old British man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, who talks? God, we were just blue in the face trying to come up with what that was going to be. Yeah, Ugh. I know we had talked when we were talking about Sam and Max. That's my favorite 3. thing, though, is that you just made it the dumbest thing. Well, I mean, I'm yeah. sure you were doing your best, well, but like that's obviously so just like eventually people started to... proposing really hilarious ones because they yeah. forgot what the game was. Or it was like, oh, maybe it's like playtime elapsed or hints heard or whatever. It's like those are just awarding you for being actively <laughs> bad. So then we had talked about if if there was another Sam and Max game that went on XBLA when that was required to deliberately theme it as the Sam and Max Wall of Shame. So it is like <laughs> hints heard number like average time stuck on puzzles or like long just <laughs> that would have been amazing. These, just like yeah, number like. Because the the hint system in the Telltale games has all these timers and like it, that's one of the few things that is vaguely systemized in the Telltale games is the thing that tries to figure out what puzzle chain are you on, right? How long have you spent in an environment? Are you just going back and forth between scenes without actually actively progressing the story? But then using that to publicly shame people for how shit they were seemed right. like a really good <laughs> abuse of the leaderboard system. But so, uh, the, so but I, no, I, we don't have to do that anymore. And like, right? Yeah. On the top of the Wallace and Gromit leaderboard, was it just like a thousand people tied for first? Like, yeah. how did? <laughs> I think that it actually was accrued max. through multiple playthroughs. Oh, God. But so it really? is totally abusable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, um, that that aspect, like, that's the weird dissonance between achievements and every type of game that isn't Geometry Wars seems based on the fact that basically... A lack of foresight. Like, Geometry Wars and, yeah, that hex-based Tetris game, or the hex-based tile game, like, the, the, the like, XBLA... Hex- Hexic? Yeah, sorry. Hexic. Designed by Alexi Pagetov. Yeah, but just like XBLA launch titles, the ones that were clearly in the pipe while they were developing all yeah. the sort of oh, meta yeah. features, clearly shaped this entire culture that is now just yeah. blown up everything. It is weird how that and you know, yes. like it's hard to imagine when when Hexic was the shipping game on the Xbox 360 that like. But like, it, it makes so were, much sense to have achievements in those games. Oh, of like, course. Like, oh, they, 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 they were of going to look five years into the future and be like, oh, you know what's going to be on here? Like that, uh, Braid or like yeah, Braid. The Walking Dead yeah. Like, or yeah. whatever. Like, it was just a different, yeah. I so, know. I mean, I think achievements would be fine if we could actually not engage. Yeah. If we could say, hey, that doesn't fit for our game. Yeah. yeah um, platform holder, we're not doing them and that would be fine. It's, it's not, I mean, it's not always specifically for... An arcade, like something like Just Cause, seems like it's fine for there to be achievements. Right. Yeah. I just wish there was a yeah. choice. Yeah. yeah, that'd be fine. I mean, and yeah, speaking of choices, the, my my absolute least favorite usage usage of achievements is when you make a choice, like when you make a choice in a game as a character, mm-hmm. and you get an achievement. I hate that so much. It seems so obnoxious to me because that just seems so actively working against 
the you know trying to create any kind of convincing reality yeah you know like that's just not how choices are in ever like in any yeah. situation other than in games with achievements right like that's it's just no, kind what of about like on a game like, show where choose you have to your choose between books, three doors <laughs> right that's what it basically makes but it though. one of those is a car one of them is nothing and one of them is an achievement pop-up <laughs> And you just always pick that door. That's your problem, Chris. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, I could be getting cars. Yeah. <laughs> I could just be winning cars while I'm when I'm playing my video games. Yeah. Those video games. <laughs> my video games. My video games. <laughs> when I'm playing my video games. Think about All that right. free car next time an achievement pop up comes up. Think about it and cry. <laughs> Think about how many free cars I haven't won. Yeah. It's, it's too bad. Anyway. Well, thanks, Mike. Appreciate the yeah. question. And I think we're done for now. Gotcha, a quake on. What? I'm not going to be there because my life has been absolutely crazy, and it's the only week I'm not going to be traveling for a month. So I'm really sorry I'm not going to be there. But you can catch Sean at PAX a month later when we do our live PAX show. Yeah! We'll just be Sean. Just me. Hey, guys. The Vanaman Hour. The Vanacast. (laughs) Or that. It's one of those. Uh, anyway, see you guys. Cast Vanaman. Go to the Idle Forums at forum.idleforums.idlethumbs.net. Idlethumbs.net slash forums. Or... Go to idlethumbs.net and click the button which says forums. <laughs> or go to top. Google and type in forums. And then type in... Uh, I did that today Google. on accident. And the first result is internet forum on Wikipedia. Oh, but if you type idle forums, you'll probably find the idle thumbs forum and the one for that other creepy site we were talking about earlier. <laughs> idle sex thumbs or whatever. Wow, that's was. not what it was. That's not what it... That That's a different site which we are affiliated with. <laughs> anyway, goodbye. Video we got to see if .gobbler.net is open. <laughs> www.gobbler.net. .net, yeah. <laughs> that's just gobbler.net. That's a different site. <laughs> also, don't go there. Yeah, www.gobbler.com. <laughs> it's turkey enthusiasts. Didn't we joke? On the last one about Sean dying or something? Oh, it's no, it's when I almost killed that woman. Oh, right. You're yeah. going to kill that yeah. poor woman. Woman. It's August 1st, 2012, and this episode was downloaded without your permission by the Uplay browser plugin. This is Idle Thumbs 67, and I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey. What were you pointing at me for? I thought you were going to talk. You looked at me like I had something to say and I didn't. (laughs) It's August 1st, 2012, and this episode was downloaded without your permission from the thing with the shit. This is why we cut datelines, by the way. (laughs)